movement, there was a light, a sound, a universal energy forming organic tribal algorithms that spans the globe, reaching down to its very core.
ladies and gentlemen of the underground experience how you doing this is uncle earl your host captain and dj here on a nice day in los angeles um you know i'm always reaching out and finding people around the world and in strange places you know everywhere there is some gold there's some jewels to be found and i found one i found a person who is a 30-year iconic veteran of the industry music he has been a writer recording artist producer engineer you name it he's got it uh he's worked with the likes of peter frampton patty smith ian hunter al Demiola, van halen odyssey t.s monk Corey day and the list goes on and on i don't want to give it all away i'm going to let him speak to you he is the president of august music productions Mr. Frankie D'Augusta. How you doing? Okay, how you doing, Lacey? It's great uh, to talk to you. You know, it is, it is. And especially because you're from my hometown. So that makes Absolutely. it really special. Yes, yes. Now, now, where were you actually, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, okay. New York. Mm-hmm. And I basically, uh, you know, came out into Manhattan at an early age. Okay. And I, I started out in the, uh, the jingle the jingle business, uh, ah. working in a jingle studio that okay. did Madison Avenue um, jingles for every big agency in the city mm-hmm. at the time. Now, were you the engineer for them, or did you actually do them yourself with voice? No. I, 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 I started from the bottom of the bottom. Oh. I was actually a do-anything, anytime guy. <laughs> I hear I, you. Um, <laughs> totally from the bottom. Right. I, mean, I whatever was needed, I did. I know that's you know, right. including cleaning bathrooms and uh, you know everything. So you put so, you put your time in, in other words. I put my time in. <laughs> I mean, I I went from the, uh, starting out at a place called National, uh-huh. which was uh, actually people like Valerie Simpson. Mm. Uh, she was she was singing there. She was one of the top jingle singers in the city at the time. Wow! And yes. uh, this was before I, she met uh, Nick Ashford. And she was actually one of the, the, the top singers, like I said. And she had, uh, I would see her like three times a week mm. in the studio singing, singing these Budweiser commercials. And, nice, uh, right. Every great commercial that we unfortunately don't hear today. But <laughs> they were like the classic commercials yes. with these big horn section strings. I mean, really big productions. Yes. And uh, she and um, a bunch of different people came through there. But I, I spent about a year there. Mm-hmm. And... From there, I went on to a place called Electric Lady Studios, oh, which yeah. was Jimi Hendrix's recording mm-hmm. studio. Right, right, right. Did yeah. you did you work with him? No, no. When he was when I got to uh, Electric Lady, mm-hmm. Jimmy was I'd say dead about three years. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, okay. I mean he didn't. He actually um, he didn't get to spend much time there. He built it mm-hmm. and and went off to Europe. Mm, and yeah. uh, passed away in Europe, right. unfortunately. Right. And uh, he he never really got to enjoy the studio, but mm. it, it was it was the most incredible place, and it still is to this day. It's it's still a functioning studio, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. But I got there at a time when Jimmy's apartment was still there mm-hmm. that he didn't even get to live in. Wow. I lived in it for two years. <laughs> really? And, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nice. It, now, was, it, just, was, it was in Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a happening time, and um, it was a great, a great experience just being in Jimmy's Jimmy's studio. And that's where I actually started my assistant engineering gig. 
Mm, okay. Now, let, let me go back a little bit further. What was the very beginning of your interest in music? Um, the very beginning. I'd have, I'd have to say when I started to... Um, when I was in Catholic school, mm -hmm. I would take my radio mm -hmm. and actually take the headphone wire and run it up my leg. <laughs> <laughs> through my arm, I made like a long extension, and i keep it in my hand, and I'd just have it on in class, and I would just have the radio on okay. during school. Uh -huh. And at that time, what was happening in the, in the Billboard pop charts was you had you had like such a diversified top 20 mm -hmm. that right. it was incredible. I mean, it went from like R&B to uh, the Rolling Stones mm. to um, just pop tunes uh, like the Cowsills. Mm. It was just a very varied... Um, selection of music that you, you know just they, they played in it all day long right. which it wasn't like the formatted uh, every 15 minute okay. radio play the same right. songs like today what a know? concept huh <laughs> <laughs> It, what a concept. We missed that. That's that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because, you know, we've gotten pigeonholed and boxed into listening to a certain type of music. And why should we? We should have everything. It should be eclectic, you know, all day long. Everything. You know, yeah. Everything. Right? It, that, that's, that's where I came from, and that was, that's what I was always used to. Now, being um, an assistant engineer at Electric Lady gave me the opportunity to work in all these different genres of mm. music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm that passed through at the time, which which was, of course, rock, mm -hmm. uh, like people like, like you mentioned, um, Ian Hunter, mm -hmm. um, people like Al Miola with the jazz fusion, yes. Lenny White, Al Miola, Chick Corea, Larry yeah. Coriel, mm -hmm. all those people, all passed through, I all worked with a little time on each of them, mm -hmm. um, then back, back into uh, things like Patti Smith, very uh, eclectic, mm -hmm. and... Uh, like you know, like, like poetry, you know, poetry and music. Right. So it was, it was a different, uh, different spin on, on the music scene. And uh, being an assistant, you also got to work with all the great engineers and producers and writers, mm. which passed through with people like Lieber and Stola. I yeah. got to work with. Wow. Um, you know, wow. Uh, I met Mitch Miller, the head of Columbia, mm. which he he was he had a TV show back in the sixties. Follow the bouncing ball. <laughs> right. This, yeah, this man discovered so many tremendous uh, hit recording acts mm -hmm. that uh, you know you, you just don't believe who, who you you know get to work with all these different sessions. Right. Like back in the day, I mean, the record labels and the companies—they were all really true production houses where people worked together. Oh, you know, uh, without a doubt. To and, cultivate and the songs, company. cultivate the artists, and all that. You know. And it's missing. Yeah, each company had its own personality. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. uh, you, you had like like. Let me give you an example. Today, Sony owns like ten labels. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have corporate owning ten labels, and years ago they were all individual labels. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now those labels had great promotion men, great A and R people. Like uh, every label was known for its own personality. Uh, like a like a label like Stax had its own sound, and mm -hmm. you had the Philly sound, then mm -hmm. you had the New York sound, then right. you had the LA sound. Yes, all these all these labels had their different uh, niche in, in in the industry, mm -hmm. and it, and it was a great time. It really it, it really was. It was just a it was wide open. Let's yeah. put it that way. Well, you know, I think we should let them hear some of this. You know, some of this okay. goodness that you got going on. That'd okay. Be great. All right, ladies and gentlemen. 
Here's a selection from the talented Mr. Frankie D'Agosta. Check this out. See if you remember this one. fun here in the studio with Mr. Frankie D'Agosta. This is Corey Day with Pow Wow, one of the artists that Frankie's worked with. There'll be so much more coming up after this break. But we promise to be honest with each other for all. 
Mr. Frankie D'Agosta from New York. How you doing, Frankie? All right. Good night. Good yeah, night. Yes. Great to be home yes. Yeah. It's good to have yeah. you here. Hometown. Hometown. Woo woo. <laughs> and uh, we just listened to Odyssey. Now they were one of my favorite groups growing up. Now, how was that working with them? Well, it, I'll tell you, it was a great experience. Uh, first of all, the producer Sandy Winter <laughs> was. Uh, he wrote. He wrote a lot of hits. He wrote uh, for, for one of them was. Uh, song called Brandy, which mm. everybody knows. Yes. Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yes. Yes. What a good wife you should yes. you could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was his thing, and he's a, he's a great writer. And uh, Odyssey just came off of a hit called Native New Yorker, which right. I, I huge, huge. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they 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 were just uh, the two. I believe they were two sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And um, they, they just had a beautiful, beautiful melodic singing. I mean, you could hear them in the room doing uh, just, just acapella, mm-hmm. and they were just tremendous. Very full, full-sounding voices. And uh, any kind of music you put the voices that are really full and rounded, it, it's going to sound great. Mm-hmm. And, and Sandy came up with the songs, mm-hmm. and the rest was just putting uh, my spin on as far as mixing it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and cutting it right, mm-hmm. you know. My thing, my thing was, I love to uh, mix, and I I mix parts one by one, a verse, chorus, or middle, um, breakdown, whatever, mm-hmm. and then I cut it all together. And you, that was that was my how I like to do things. Yeah, like that, today, you have a you know you have your computers, you can do right. things a little differently. But I like to do it where I actually cut the tape mm. and. And, and mix that way, so I can really concentrate on repositioning uh, whatever I wanted to do, or if I wanted to do something on the fly, I could pan something from one way to another, or add an effect, mm-hmm. things like that. Cutting it together gave you the perfect mix. So once once I put all that down and cut it together, we just sit back and we say, "Wow, <laughs> there, you know, there it is, or there it's not." We can just do another part. So it was a great way of working. I, lo- I love working with Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I, I just love their sound. Very, yeah. very. Uh, the song you played, if, uh, if you're looking for a way out, is uh, it's just a beautiful love song. Mm, beautiful. Yes, yes. Now let yeah. me let me, now you you also sang yourself. Oh yeah. You oh, were yeah. an artist a, too. Yeah, yeah, I did. I had I had a, a, a two album deal on Epic yes. in 1980. Yes. Uh, and my my AKA was uh, Frankie El Dorado. Yeah, yeah. Because I you know I've played you for the past two years. I've been playing you. Periodically, that's right. so that's why I'm glad to have you here now, so that people can, you know, put the the na- the voice with the with the voice, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I I ended up uh, getting a record deal, which was, uh, believe it or not, the furthest thing from my mind when mm. I first started out. Mm-hmm. I never really uh, kind of ever thought it would get to that point. 
know, and, and when I first touched the piano, I, I, I made sense of it right away. Mm. I never had a lesson. I never had any. No vocal lessons at all? Being able, what's that? No vocal lessons at all? No, not at wow. all. No, absolutely nothing. I, I just, uh, I would just come up with these demos. My thing was, I would, I would surprise people. I would work on their sessions with major artists, and at night, mm-hmm. the studio was mine. I had the key. <laughs> Okay, everybody would leave, uh-huh. and the place from, let's say, 2 o'clock in the morning till 7 or 8 or 9 was mine. So, I, any studio I worked at, which was Electric Lady, mm-hmm. Record Plant, and Hits Factory, I always had the key, and I always had the run of the place. So you're and, like a and, kid uh, in a candy store. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just did my thing, and, and little by little, you know, I'd say, I'd say to somebody, they come in the morning, the first person that came in the morning, I'd want to play them what I did, and, and, and a lot of times, they said, wow, that's really, really cool. So little by little, over the years, I was developing my own sound, mm-hmm. and, and then, leading up to my record deal, it was just a, a kind of a fluke. I actually, I completed a whole album, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know what I had, and mm-hmm. I sent it out to Epic in here in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, I got a letter back. They refused it. Whoa. And okay, that was cool. I sent it out to other labels too, and I got refused letters. But then somehow my a cassette with three songs made it to a guy in Cleveland. Do you remember what those uh, three songs were? Excuse me. Do you remember what those three songs were? Yeah, it, it, it was "Good Thing Ain't That Peculiar," and I know. And I, believe it or not, he placed an ad. They didn't know who I was or anything. It was just Frankie Eldorado on the cassette. They placed an ad in the Village Voice. <laughs> I get a call from a friend of mine and says, someone's looking for you, and they have a number. So I call. It was this Epic promotion guy. He said, they want to sign you on Epic in L.A. Wow. So I'm saying, but yeah, but Epic uh, refused me. He says, no, no, Epic wants to sign you. And... Uh, I was kind of confused, but happy at the same time, because I loved that label. I mean, all the greats to me were there, like uh, Jack Beck, Edgar Winter, Michael Jackson. Yes. My yes, album, yes. yeah. The, the, the Michael Jackson's album came out the same month as my album. Really? Uh, his, that was his album. Was, I, I believe it was Off the Wall. It had uh, Think Shake, Shake Your Body Down to mm-hmm, the Ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, 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 that era. Nice, and, nice. Uh, I just wanted to be on Epic, you know. Um, the, the guy I was working for at the time, uh, rest in peace, Eddie Germano, he owned the Hit Factory. He said to me, you sure you want to go with Epic? I said, oh yeah, I want to go <laughs> on Epic. I, everybody I loved was on that label. Mm. Well, I tell you, one of my favorite songs of yours is Crazy. Are you? Really? Yes. I like Crazy. Oh, wow. I really do. I don't, I don't know why. It's different, but I like it. I really do like it. Well, it's funny. It, it's... Uh, it's kind of it was it's it's Beatle inspired, believe it or not, mm. um, and and it's just uh, it's kind of like a little bit off the wall. I start with a, like a reverend, mm-hmm. and it, it's just it's just different. That's why I um, like it because it, it takes you on a trip. You know, it's not it's not yeah. the formula. It's it it takes you somewhere. I'm like whoa. It's, I really really like it. So I, I want the audience to hear that, ladies and gentlemen. Here is Frankie D'Agosta with Crazy. Check it out. It's been so long that 
time has just slipped away. And after a million nights and as many days, we're finally on our way. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Underground Experience with me, your host, Captain, and DJ, Uncle Earl. Please come back for the second half hour with more from my special guest, Mr. Frankie D. Augusta of August Music.
all you underground dwellers out there. You're still hanging in with me, Uncle Earl, here at the Underground Experience. Uh, I am on the phone with Frankie Delgesta, writer, recording artist, producer, engineer, extraordinaire, out of New York City, my hometown, Brooklyn in the house. How you doing, Frankie? All right, Brooklyn in the house. <laughs> Brooklyn is here to stay. That's right. Yes. That's now, right. now you, you, like I said, you, you've done so many great and wonderful things and worked with so many people, but there's one that sticks out in my mind, and I got to know, Peter Frampton. Ah, how Golden Boy. Yeah, man. Uh-huh. I mean, you. I mean, you were on tour with him. You recorded with him. You mixed his stuff. I mean, can you give us the rundown, man. Give us, give it to me. Well, I'll, I'll give it to you from the from the from the start. Okay. Uh, I, I had I, there was a girl at Electric Lady who did all the booking for the engineers, and mm-hmm. she would ask you uh, what you know if you'd like to be on a project. So she, uh, this girl Gail, Gail says to me, uh, we have Peter Frampton coming. I know you like rock. Would you want to work with him? I says, Peter Frampton? Who, who is he? I never heard of him. <laughs> oh, she says, he, he, uh, he's the guitar, he used to be the guitarist in Humble Pie. I mm. said, Humble Pie? I love that. Mm. I was like, absolutely. Okay. So, the project, it, it was already recorded, but mm-hmm. the project was mixing, um, Frampton Comes Alive. Mm. With, which, turned out to be, you know, the, uh, I guess maybe the, 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 the biggest selling album in the world, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, live album. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, every, like, like they said in the, the Mike Myers movie, every kid that moved to the suburbs was issued a Frampton Cups live album before he was allowed to live there. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> but, it, 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 it turned out to be uh, an amazing experience. Mm. I mean, uh, the, the album stayed on, it, it, it went on, uh, climbed up the charts. I think it had maybe uh, three, uh, uh, three or four top ten singles immediately mm-hmm. and stayed on the charts for, for a really long time mm-hmm. and then came down and went back up the charts again. Wow. And it turned out to be a double album. At first, they didn't plan on that. They planned on, this was Peter's last shot in the business. He really? Four previous albums out on A and M, and I remember the day that um, Albert uh, Albert Morse, no, no, her, yeah, Albert, wait, yes, Albert Morse was he's the he's the M in A and M. Okay, <laughs> was in the room talking to the manager and they're saying, "Wow, this should be a double album." This because they were listening back to the playback. He came in from L.A. Mm-hmm. and they're listening back him and D. Anthony, the manager. Yes. And they're saying, wait a minute, this, this has to be a double album. And then I heard that this was going to be Frampton's last shot. If this don't make it, A&M is dropping him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So he got a lifeline He got a lifeline with that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, big one. <laughs> because what happened was, now, now that Frampton Comes Alive took off, that means his whole entire catalog went mm-hmm. platinum mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. one time. Wow. Okay. So, I have one little interesting story I want to throw oh, in there. Please, please do. Please uh, do. After we mixed Do You Feel Like We Do, mm-hmm. I went out, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning, I went out to get something to eat, and I came back, and I was about to walk into Electric Lady Studios, mm-hmm. and before I got there, I got mugged, okay? What? And I I got robbed, I got choked, uh, they took my jewelry and everything, Wow. and... Uh, it was kind of a weird comment. The cops came, and, and you know, like, uh, all these little little things were happening, and things in P 
Peter's life and, and my life and just the whole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, boom, that, that summer goes by or that or that period of time goes by mm-hmm. and then I'm asked to come back and come on to the second album, which is I'm in You mm-hmm. which was another big platinum album mm-hmm. for Peter. You know, right, right. I think I'm in you either hit number one or number two in the Billboard uh, top top twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I graduated from assistant engineering to engineering. Right. Okay, because right. it just happened to work out that way <laughs> where I actually got to engineer and, in my eyes, kind of put together some songs, help Peter put together uh, two songs in the record wow. that. Um, happened to, you know, it, it happened to have Mick Jagger and Stevie Wonder on it. Mm, 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 mm. Look at you. So I got to work <laughs> yes. with Mick Jagger and Stevie Wonder. Go ahead. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all in that time period. Wow. And, but, but the thing was, this is how, it kind of happens ad hoc at, at studios. Like, you know, like Peter knew Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mick was there recording at Electric Lady. Mm-hmm. So they they spoke to each other and Mick said okay I'll come I'll come back later on and I'll, I'll do a vocal part it, and it turned out that he came back and he did a really major vocal part <laughs> him, and, him and Peter uh, you know put together Tried to Love mm. which uh, you know I think that was the fourth single on I'm and You mm. mm-hmm. and uh, Stevie Wonder played a great harmonica part mm-hmm. in one of the other songs so yes. it was uh, I mean people but people like that were always at Electric Lady right I just mean, hanging around always someone famous there yeah mm-hmm. I mean that's that's just the way they rolled. And I mean, back in the day, it was such like family. They used to cross-pollinate into each other's studio and sessions, you know, and share the love. Yeah. Today, everybody's so selfish with it, you know, man? I mean, it's like, oh, this is mine. It's about me, you know, as opposed to just sharing the love and just, you know, helping each other out. We got to bring that back, Frankie. Yeah, that, well, that is, yeah, that you're right about that. I mean, um, there was one artist I got to mention that mm. used to pass through, uh, Gil Scott Heron. Oh, wow. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he... He uh, he had a really family oriented. I mean, when his sessions happened, there was a lot of people there. Um, it was a real family thing. I mean, <laughs> he brought the whole tribe. There's 15 people there. The whole tribe came in, right? right? Everybody came in. It was great, but it was just a really, really great time. I I call that that era of of of, of the modern recording. It's like it was a golden age of the modern recording studio in New York because you had from 42nd Street to 57th Street. You had all these great studios. Mm. And then you had Electric Lady, which is on the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. So, there was just so much happening. You still had, you still had the Brill Building up there. You, mm-hmm. had, you had just so much music. Well, anyway, back to Frampton. Yeah. Uh, after I'm and you, he says to me, uh, what are you doing this summer? <laughs> uh, I says, well, I continue. I, want, I plan on working here. continue working, doing what I do. He said, how about coming on tour? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, okay, uh, but he says, first, we're going to go to Nassau, and, and Peter had a house down there, and mm. we spent three months in Nassau before mm. before the tour. Wow. So, you know. Just hanging out. Hanging out, just enjoying, <laughs> uh, you know, enjoying the, the views and the house, and, uh, you know, the, all the all the things that a rock star enjoys. Yes, so we were just down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole, the mm-hmm. whole thing. The and, good and times, then, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then uh, we did the tour, which is a huge tour. I mean, minimum, minimum 40,000 people a night, all the way up to 123,000 people. How long was the tour? Uh, How long was it? The tour was like four months. 
funny thing is, we had for the first leg of the tour, which was about, I'd say maybe the first month, we had the plane that Leonard Skinner had that they that went down. We had that plane, mm -hmm. and everyone in the group, including Frampton, said there's something wrong with this plane. Mm -hmm. Put our finger on it. Mm -hmm. Everybody felt it, mm -hmm. and Peter said, "You know what? I don't want this plane." And we decided to get rid of the plane. Wow. I mean, you know, collectively. Yeah. And um, sure enough, after our tour, we were maybe, you know, done. We were in Hollywood. Uh, he was working on the Sgt. Pepper movie. Mm -hmm. we, we were in Bel Air, living in uh, Maureen O'Hara's mansion mm. on, uh, in Stone Canyon. And uh, we, we hear that the plane went down with two of our guys on it. Wow. Who lived. Wow. They lived. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, they lived, and one guy, he, he told me the story. They were, they were playing chess, and uh, the, the, the captain gets on the speaker and says, we're going down, put your seatbelts on. That was it. The right mm -hmm. engine was on fire, mm -hmm. okay? So what the pilot did was he's supposed to dump the right engine gas tank. Mm -hmm. He dumps all the gas. They go down uh, in the middle of nowhere. It took like three days to find this plane with me. the survivors. What? <laughs> Yeah, and he, he wound up bro uh, breaking every bone in his body, oh, just about. God. And he lived, but he did live. Uh, uh, three people, three or four people died on that plane that day. <laughs> but we uh, we just couldn't believe that, that plane went down because we just sensed something. And we we wound up getting Bad Company's plane, which was a um, it was an executive aircraft from Bell Howell Corporation from mm -hmm. the 50s called a Vickers Viscount. It was an English plane. Peter wanted that point, and that's what he got. Mm. And thank God for that, yeah. you know? Because I don't know if I'd be speaking to you today. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> glad you didn't get on that plane. <laughs> yeah. But but oh, you, yeah. you mentioned to me a, a, a story that there was a treasure found in the wreckage, wasn't there? Yes. Well, that was a separate story. That, oh, that was separate. Recently, oh, okay. That, that just recently came up. Oh, okay. There was another plane crash, okay, with all of Peter's equipment went down, mm. and... Uh, it was, a, uh, uh, I think, three fatalities. And it was in Venezuela, mm -hmm. and the, the plane went down, and the only thing to survive was his prized Les Paul. Wow. I believe it was a black Les Paul from 1956, which they just gave back to him last week. Nice. And I, Peter, Peter spoke to me. Uh, we, we, we actually, you know, we, we did some exchanging of emails, mm -hmm. and... Uh, he was just blown away by the story. Mm -hmm. And it is an amazing story. I mean, all these years, that guitar being gone, and the guy who had it didn't know who, who it belonged to. Somehow he got it, wow. and um, he brought it to get repaired, and the, and the repairman identified it as Peter Frampton's guitar. <laughs> and they, they, they actually gave it back to him, uh, and, and I heard it on NPR. So I contacted mm -hmm. Peter, and uh, he, he, he was talking about some of those, uh, you know, how he felt about it. Mm -hmm. uh, Talk about I think a miracle! Amazing music to come. Yeah, that's a miracle. Yeah. Truly a miracle oh, yeah. story. Wow. Well, on that note, we need to take another little break, and then we'll come back and do a little wrap up. Is that okay, Frankie? You gonna hang in with me? Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with a little bit more from Mr. Frankie D'Agosta right after this break. Hang in there. Ciao. finding new artists to work with 
and writing for them and having them do some of my material, which I have actually a catalog of maybe well over 100 songs, and redeveloping uh, some of those songs to be used for the up-and-coming artists that are out there right now. And uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on as far as singers. I see a lot of singer-songwriters coming back, uh, or the Adele's, or things like that. You have a, you have a different thing happening uh, from like the Lady Gaga, stuff right. like that. You know, or the, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. flavor of the month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got some, like, a, the, the Jesse J's and just different things coming up the pike. So I feel like uh, if, if I were a new artist today, I would actually try to just break some new ground. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of, we're kind of up against the wall as far as what's, what's being done musically. Yes. I mean, you look at Lady Gaga and then you see, then you remember Madonna. Yes. They're actually doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's really not much difference, okay? Mm-hmm. But then you have, uh, you know, just breakout people like an Adele, or mm-hmm. to me like a Duffy, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. That just comes out with this whole new thing. I, I would say to a new artist or anybody trying to break into the business, just try to do what you like first, okay? And try to please yourself. Mm-hmm. And then go on from there. And, and then if, they, if everyone jumps on the bandwagon with you, that's great, but try to get you first, because that's really what it's about you got to please yourself first and i'd say for the new people coming up in the music industry um that's a little harder enough to, to crack um but there is hope i mean um you got to go into a company and let yourself be known as someone who can find talent hmm. show your work show that you have your your finger on the pulse of what's happening musically and don't be afraid to approach people with it don't be afraid to say to your boss, hey, listen to this. This is what I found last night while I was at this club. I have a rough recording. Take a listen. Wow. And, yeah, put I, yourself out there. Well, thank you, Frankie. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate this time with you. And, you know, this is the beginning. We'll, we will be in touch. When I get back home, we have to meet. <laughs> face to face. Can I mention one thing? Yeah. I want to just mention my site, which is www.reverbnation forward slash Frankie Eldorado. Yes, and we'll be able to give more information on the website. Thank you, Frankie, so much for coming in. I appreciate your time, your love, your support here at What I'm Doing Get Underground. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been an in-depth, down-and-dirty moment with Frankie D'Augusta out of New York City. We will be closing out this portion of the broadcast with his song, in my heart. Check it out.
Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, when wasn't that nice? From Mr. Frankie D'Augusta in my heart. Stay tuned. There'll be more music from Uncle Earl on the Underground Experience right after this break. Ciao. Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? This is Uncle Earl here with a family spotlight moment. Yes, it is indeed for the group Black Angel Down, Kevin, Nokio, Ralph, Dave, Dan, and Frank. They have been tearing up the East Coast. They most recently completed filming their video for their single, How Deep Is Your Love For Me? And they took a bus ride from Baltimore up to New York City where they turned out the bitter end. Uncle Earl bought a ticket, but he couldn't be on that bus. But believe you me, I will be on the next one. And I'm here to break out their new single, which is called Pretty Face. So boys, men, family, here we go. We are about to occupy and take this thing to another level. Here's Black Angel Down with Pretty Face. Get in. Have a blessed day, dawn, evening, night, dusk. Whatever you have, just have it. Be kind to each other, yourself, and the environment. We only have one. Check us out at www.ultimateunderground.com for more on the movement.
Yes, that was Black Angel Down with Pretty Face saying they just can't let you go. Well, I can't seem to let you go either. So I'm just going to give you some words on the way out of here just to think about and contemplate. I study A Course in Miracles and I got these messages from Marianne Williamson. I will be still in an instant and go home. The world we seem to live in is not our home. The rest you seek is not from sleeping, but from waking. We must not let our mind rest in the truth of who we are. We must let our mind, sorry, rest in the truth of who we are. All human suffering comes from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. The universe knows what we want more than we do. We are holding back the floodgates of greatness. We must build a new structure of our mind, body, heart, spirit, and soul. You can't feel differently until you think differently. We are here to channel genius for the good of humanity. In every situation, you must say, what would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? Need is repellent. Desire is attractive. And I will leave you with that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much.